Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 49. And uh, as is the trend, we have another guest with us. Uh, we're alternating weeks. About every two weeks, we have a guest. And we've got Dre from Crafts with Dre. Hey. Welcome, Dre. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are thrilled to have you here, and obviously we want to know, what is your dominant skill set? Uh, epoxy is definitely my dominant skill set, for sure. And uh, if you had to had to guess, what skill class would you say epoxying is? On a scale of 1 to 10? Possibly. All right. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say uh, a 6 to a 7 out of 10, currently. 6.27. Yeah, that's what we thought it was, yep. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> now it's time to do our research and fun facts on epoxying. Did you do any research, Dre? So I was doing some kind of ridiculous research about uh, the weirdest things that have been epoxied. Yes. She gets there's it. Some w- <laughs> there's some weird stuff that's been epoxied out there. Like, very, very strange. Hit us with it. What do you got? I mean, it's it's mostly food. It's mostly food. <laughs> yes. People love to epoxy food. Um, there are some people out there who have epoxied full pizzas, which I thought was pretty wild. Uh, there's one gentleman out there who actually makes skateboards out of his epoxied pizzas, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's real. What? Yep. Our friends over at Total Boat actually epoxied a McRib as well. Graz. I believe was part of it. A McRib. A McRib. Yeah. There's uh probably made it taste better. <laughs> there <laughs> I know. I tried I tried it once and I was not a fan. Not the epoxied one, because that one you can't get to. But um They're crunchy. Those are extra crunchy. They're, they're equally preserved. Yes. They'll they'll both last just as long, whether it's just sitting out in the carton or or embodied epoxy. Yeah. Cheeseburgers have also been epoxied. Um, I have a plan personally to epoxy some bacon. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure I it's been that. done, but I want to uh you know my favorite word, PJ. <laughs> lattice the bacon, not lattice. It's a lattice. It just sounds more fancy <laughs> when you say it that way. <laughs> mm, so fancy. So fancy. Harbor for Jay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You yes. get it. You get it. <laughs> That's a PJ word for sure. I love it. I love that whenever I hear someone else say it because I know that they got it from me because I'm the only one that, that ever said that and then it spread like a disease. Well, You're all infected. I say it because I have an adaptive personality. I can't help it. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it, Tom, for sure. Yes, right. Um, I, I think those pizza skateboards were sold to Ninja Turtles. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find anything else? Or was that the end of your list? That was pretty much it. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's still. I mean, that's this is history and fun facts. Those are definitely some fun facts. Yeah. I mean, I know I know that epoxy primarily prior to it being artist resin was mostly used for boats. So that was kind of its like primary purpose, in from what I sort of kind of know, but I don't know exactly 100% if it was used for anything else aside from boats, so. We might find out I feel like as Tom this section continues. might be doing research over there, or he's mm. looking up Astro Dogs. He's, he's yeah, on he's, Amazon. Yeah, he's, he's buying on something Amazon. on Amazon. 
He he knows he knows that uh, he still has the length of whatever I talk about to do his research. So he's he's not even worried about his research yet. He saves that for like the last oh, 15 seconds. Yeah. Plenty of time. Yeah. Plenty oh, of time. oh yeah. You know what? That sounds like a good idea. Hey Tom, what research did you do on uh, epoxying? I I, I want to present a future research project to the masses. You ready for Bring this? I am wondering where the root of epoxy use started in the maker community. And I have a theory. The theory is Greg Clausen is the original river table creator. Mm. And if you go to Greg Clausen, K-L-A-S-S-E-N.com, you will see all of his work. And he doesn't just do river tables, but he does everything in that in that vein. So he does wall art with glass and wood and burls. And it's really freaking cool. The, the guy's an artist. And I know there was some heat about him like trademarking or registering the term river table. But after reading his website, I'm like, I kind of can't blame the guy because he's doing something at such a high level. And then everybody started pouring epoxy into tables which is also very cool. But it is not what the original river table was. It is a very cool adaptation of the river table. River tables are with glass. He, he cuts the glass in that shape yeah. and routes out the wood and creates these awesome landscapes within, within the table. But I think that the river table was the primary inspiration for epoxy being used as a medium, like a, a building material, not a adhesive or whatever else you would want to call right. it. Anybody with me on that theory? Uh, I, I'm old. Nope. <laughs> I mean, people have been, people have been pouring <laughs> resin, resin countertops like over pennies and, and on like oh, restaurant countertops. Like you could go to a cafe in 1975 and probably find a, a table with a, you know, with a wooden edge built up a quarter of an inch full of mm-hmm. pennies yeah. and epoxy poured on it. Yeah. No, yeah. this is, this is very true. I, I almost feel like you're not wrong, but I feel like that is still a coating, a finish, even though it's a quarter inch thick. I feel like. Well, and it might've been a urethane. I mean, it might've been something slightly different than modern day epoxies as well. So. No, yeah. And I'm not being that, that critical about it but i i just feel like i feel like i when you know when my algorithm told me about river tables that's when the epoxy like revolution began and then people not just did river tables but they started doing amazing things like you do dre and like making real art with them uh or with it and that technique and those processes so yeah and it feels like with covid it feels like there are like so many more people that are doing epoxy now. It's pretty wild to see like there are some epoxy companies that literally can't keep up with how many people are ordering epoxy right now. Um, and I've, I've been seeing so many people, you know, I actually taught a class um, a couple weekends ago and it was so cool to actually like teach a class. It was my first time ever teaching. Um, so it's just been really cool to see all of them starting to really kind of branch out and doing more epoxy so i've been seeing a lot more of it in my feed where i was mostly following a lot of like woodworkers and stuff like that as well so i'm seeing so much more epoxy which is really cool very cool one something that i've wanted to do and and anyone listening feel free to steal this because it's my only urge to make like a river table was to make it out of metal to like cast like really rough edge metal yes 
and make a river of lava table. Yes. So just have like like a a pour, like an iron pour, just pour it out on the ground, some random shape, two shapes, yes. and then pour <laughs> orange, you know, epoxy in between and maybe backlight it and then make a metal table, you know, to go with the rest of the of the pour. Yes. So I think if I ever make a river table, that's that's my approach is going to be making it making it out of metal and and pouring lava in the middle. Listen, if you ever want to brainstorm that, yes, we can do it. <laughs> Tanda was first. She beat me to the punch. So I actually also have a lava table that is a uh, and, and, and mine is different from hers, though. I had I, I salvaged a piece of slate that was a chalkboard for a um, butcher out of a grocery store. And it was like a three foot by four foot piece of slate. And I had it leaning up against my house way too long, uh, well, up against the shop. And uh, it was outside during the winter, but I figured it's slate, what's gonna happen to it? But we had really gusty high winds and it actually blew the slate over. And so it shattered into like, you Mm. know, lots of little pieces. Right. So I was I was about to like throw the stuff out and then I was looking at it I'm like wait this is like a giant puzzle. Yeah. What if I actually put this into a table in the way that it, it is supposed to go but I spread all the pieces out and mm. then I put like mm-hmm. lava flow going in between all the cracks. Yes. That would look really cool. Would it would be so like a lava slate table. Yes. Right? Do it. That I still have the slate but I haven't made it yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. No, that would that would definitely be cool. I, I did a piece uh, a few years ago for, I don't know if you remember, like the troll that I did, kind of the ogre musical piece. It was like a big casting troll head. And there were some accessories that went with that where I just took a piece of to make my a cast of like this like tablet with runes. And then I just, I took it and I broke it. And then I did just that. I took the pieces and I kind of stretched them out where the cracks were open and then came back and filled them in with stuff that's cool it's very cool it's it's epoxy is so versatile and i think that's why i love it so much is because there are so many different things that you can do with it and like the fact that even i've been noticing there are a lot of people who have been um like maybe three quarters of the way through like the epoxy curing process people will just start to mold it so like if they pour it really really thin and then they mold it into like you know a bowl or a vase or something like that it's just so cool. And then never mind, like there are so many people on TikTok who are constantly epoxying really crazy stuff too. Like there, there are so many people who are just epoxying everything under the sun <laughs> and it's fun. You can epoxy an ice cube though. People have tried. It just turns into water. Not with that attitude. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's true. And, and on that note, we're going to go to Tanda. Tanda, what research did you do on epoxying? Well, the research I did started out uh, being very similar to uh, to Dre's, but immediately uh, did did something different. I typed in the uses for epoxy, weird uses of epoxy resin. And then the first thing that came up, or the first thing I clicked on, I just thought it was really funny because for all of the people who listen to this and that are like makers, I went down the list and not one of them seems weird to me at all. It seems like yeah, perfectly typical use of epoxy. So the first one is to make buttons. The next one is to make a paperweight. Well, I've done that unintentionally a hundred times <laughs> while pouring resin. Same. <laughs> Small cabinet handles. 
Another one that doesn't seem that weird to me. Seems pretty obvious. Decorative napkin holders. Uh, create a personalized coffee table full of m- memories. Or make jewelry. And I was like, well, those aren't, those aren't weird yeah. at all. That's what people are doing right. with epoxy. <laughs> no. was, was this on like a politician's website or something? I'm, who, who thinks these things are weird? I'm just, it sounds like somebody. It's actually on an Australian, an Australian, Australian concrete design. <laughs> Tom's already found I it. I found it. Yeah. I, found, I read along with you. I found it by the time you said make a paperweight. Yeah. Tom, Tom's a master Googler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Australians are all weird. So, yeah, that, that makes a lot of and sense. And, you know, maybe it's really old or something. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that it was, it, it seemed so typical of what people are making. Right. But it was advertised as uh, uses for epoxy resin we bet you didn't know about. Yeah, if, if they had, like, toilet paper on that list, that I would not have known. You know? so yeah, that sharp. would be an unusual use. It's so sharp. I don't know if you guys can see this band-aid that's on my finger, but it's mm. literally because I got sliced by epoxy. That stuff's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. It is. You've got a little bit of flash from a from a mold or a flask or something, and it, it it's sharp. It's literally like a, a razor. Like, it's it can be bad. <laughs> what, what did you find, PJ? Any epoxy superstitions? I know. I, I heard this on Graz's episode, the knife superstitions, and man, <laughs> my mind was blown. I was like, I'm never going to eat any foods that require knives ever again. Like That's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Finger foods go, go only. Go Japanese. Chopsticks, chopsticks all the way. That's, that's the, <laughs> definitely the way to go. I found three different things, just because I didn't know what you guys were going to pick up, but I first looked at when was epoxy invented and i don't think you guys are gonna believe this but it was invented in 1890 what yeah yeah so it has been around since the early 1890s it was uh popularized in the mid-1950s but it was invented by a russian chemist named perleschkachev i didn't say that right but you get the idea (laughs) yes Yeah. He observed that olefins would react with a perioxobenzoic acid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the reaction formed epoxides, which are used to form epoxy along with polyamine. Polyamine? Something like that. Sounds right. Uh, and then uh, during the mid-1930s, a German named P. Shellac, totally unrelated to actual shellac, uh-huh. Uh, really? Yeah, right? yeah. No, re- no relation to the bug? That, that would be I, I don't know. the man. Maybe, maybe it's the same guy, but I don't think so. They've been making shellac in India way before, and this guy's German. so hmm. He was granted a patent which prepared a polyamide with a high molecular weight. And uh, shellac did that using an epoxide, uh, which contained an epoxide group greater than one. They don't explain what that means, but... There you have it. Uh, And um, then it was widely popularized in the form that we understand it uh, in 1936 by Dr. Pierre Castan from Switzerland and Dr. Esso Greenlee from the from the USA. They both recognized the chemistry of epoxy, uh, which people use today. And, uh, And then it goes on to talk about all the other people that have contributed and so on and so forth. Uh, but wow. there was something that I found interesting in sort of like the fun facts. I did find a fun facts thing. And uh, this actually explained a question which has been vexing me for 
years now because I thought I was doing something wrong. The difference between polyester resins uh, commonly used on surfboards and epoxy resins. Uh, polyester resins are toxic, have very strong fumes, and are more porous than epoxy resins. Uh, they're brittle and only sticks really well to itself. Uh, generally epoxies, which are often solvent-free, can be applied to polystyrene foam and products where polyester resins will dissolve the products. So why is this important? Because the very first, what I thought was an epoxy pour I did, was using polyester resin. And I was, I was taking a bunch of Japanese maple cookies and I was trying to make a table. And it kept breaking. Like every time I'd pick it up, like one of the cookies would snap out or I'd glue it back in, then another one would snap out. And I'm like, why does this keep happening? Did I not use enough polyester resin? I mean, right. it should like, st no, it's because nothing sticks to polyester and I, I should have like looked it up before I used it. So, so there's that. The other thing that I, th I thought was kind of interesting is, have you guys heard of fish eyes? Like, oh, yeah. They're on the sides of the fish. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Then yes. Yeah. Some fish have more than two? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Flounders have them on the same side? Yes. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard <laughs> of them. Have you heard of epoxy fish eyes? Oh, you, you can epoxy anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's if fish loses an eye. If a fish loses an eye, then they go buy an epoxy fish mm -hmm. eye. And so the other Trey, fish, like yeah, yeah, the other fish don't make fun of them. Yeah. Trey just explained that you can epoxy anything. So. <laughs> oh, well, then maybe this is not correct. Um, it, it's, it says here that uh, there are areas on an epoxied surface where the coating literally pulls away oh, yeah. from the substrate uh, and it it leaves a coatingless void or a fisheye. Yeah. It, it goes on to say that um, when this happens, it's better to put um, thin, like use thin layers of epoxy to avoid fisheyes instead of thicker layers. And uh, it also says that mostly that happens because whatever is not, whatever it's not adhering to is like uh, something that, like it's basically like almost repelling the epoxy, like whatever the material is. So um, thin layers work better. That's that's like a little bit of oil or fingerprint or something. Something, yeah, something yeah. is repelling it, and and it's uh, it's called a fisheye. Never heard of that before. I, but, I but yeah. I've seen it plenty of times. So a lot of people actually do that intentionally to create different like you know techniques and stuff like that like it just it looks really really cool if you if you know what you're doing and you you know combined the correct colors where they're actually like complementary colors then it looks really cool um sometimes it happens to my stuff when i don't want it to happen though <laughs> then i get a little salty uh -huh. <laughs> but uh <laughs> it definitely it, it can look cool they actually have um some pigments that are out there that are magnetic pigments. So you can actually put Ooh. magnets, yeah, in certain areas um, around, if it's like a silicone mold or something like that, you can put certain magnets around it and it'll actually attract the pigment and like drag it through. Um, so that's really cool. I've seen people do that, um, but I didn't realize that that's what it's called. It's very cool. Tom, I feel like there's a, an opportunity for your, uh, your, your nerf targets there somehow. Hmm. With the magnets and the pigments and the epoxy. Fisheye nerf targets. Fisheye nerf targets, yeah. Yes. Yeah. For I sure. like it. For sure. I like it. Let's do it. Well, now I have to go do something. I'll talk to Collab? you. Collab? What? Right. Bye. Bye, Tom. Bye, <laughs> Tom. <laughs>
You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right, Dre, why don't you hit us with your dealer's corner? Well, it's uh, not a deal that I had, but maybe it's a deal for the listeners out there. Um, Recently, I just got a brand new uh, discount code for Brunt Workwear Boots. So they just came out with a ladies line of shoes that are workwear shoes, they're boots. And I absolutely love them. If you guys are interested, you can use my code on the Brunt Workwear website. It is Dre10 for $10 off at checkout. They're comfy as anything, so awesome. Check them out, ladies. Yeah, and uh, not Very sponsored, cool. just, just not, not sponsored. sponsored. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> sort of sponsored, <laughs> but not sponsored. Well, a little bit sponsor adjacent. You can't get uh, them at just Johnson's. Be, you can't get them at Johnson's, and, and I don't recommend them. I don't yeah. recommend them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You'd have to listen to all the episodes and don't do that. Uh, uh, I just went to the website bruntworkwear.com. <laughs> Still not Beautiful. sponsored, Tom, but thanks. Do you want to read your your dealer's corner? Not really, but I think I'm obligated, so let me Contractually, yes. Uh, ja- ja- contract- Wait, did I sign something? Uh, this one's from Jack Has Tools, and he says, here's my story for the dealer's corner. A while back, I picked up a bunch of scrap metal in an auction, paid, oh, he must be from out of town, uh, 9,91. I'm guessing that's uh, $9.91. That's with taxes and fees. It's probably in euros. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he paid just under 10 bucks for it. And he scrapped it for $110. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. Holy cow. That's a nice return. That same day, I went to an estate sale where I bought a bunch of hand tools. The seller's uncle had passed away. He was a bicycle and motorcycle mechanic. His tool collection consisted mostly of German-made tools like Hazet, H-A-Z-E-T, I've never heard of that. And, oh, this one's worse. <laughs> Gedore. G-E-D-O-R-E. I don't know. It sounds like a handbag. Besides that, I also got a bunch of wood chisels and specialist tools for bicycles. I said that wrong. Wood chisels, not wood comma chisels. And specialist tools for bicycles. I paid 225 for the lot. I'm keeping the majority of the tools. The tools I ended up selling made me a profit of $340. Wow. And he kept a bunch of stuff. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool. That's a good yeah. deal. I, I, I think that brand is called Has It. Do you have it? Yes, yep. I has it. Yes, I has it. I think I think that's that's what that is. It's run well, by I'm little cats. Positive. That's brilliant. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's some good bargains in there. Uh, what about you, Tanda? Yeah, we have one from uh, Emery Pickering. And it says, uh, hey, makers, back with another dealer's corner to share with you all. I have dubbed this the Teak Triumph in Lisbon. My wife and I were several hours from home doing some safety training. We ended up with a few hours to spare before dinner reservations. So I looked to see if there was a Habitat for Humanity restore around. No luck. There did end up being a local community equivalent. I won't share my honey hole, but this place helps low-income people and everyone who wants to check them out to find reasonable prices on tools, windows, plumbing stuff, etc. You never really know what you're going to get. This place was sketchy looking enough that my wife decided to stay in the truck. I wandered (laughs) around the dimly lit building, it was huge, and found a few tools. A box of F-style electrical connectors, a right-angle ratcheting screwdriver, a quarter shank knotted wire wheel, a pack of 10-foot GRK Torx screws. Uh, Shortly after, I found the lumber section. I pulled several boards off the racks and asked the guy, whose name was Stephen with a PH, 
P-H-T-E-V-E-N, Tethen, what he wanted for the boards. $5 for a full board, uh, 1.5 by 11 inch by 4 inch cherry slab, 2 3 quarter by 6 by 7 foot teak boards, 5 4 by 8 by 7 foot mahogany board, $3 for a short, 10 shorts of mahogany and cherry 18 inches long, some 8 4 pieces, I stared at the pile and said, I'll give you $50 for the boards and tools. He took it. Wow. Ten minutes later, my wife is telling me to slow down because I'm excited over the teak specifically, and I'm afraid they'll come for me and realize what I have. <laughs> I got a little over five board feet of teak for $10. The going rate for teak, from my limited understanding, is around $35 to $40. Uh, I assume that's a board foot. So this was like a fourth the price. Right. I paid $2 a board foot for about $200 worth of teak. Wow. Wow. So That's a bargain for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. so great bargain. And he gave it a name in Maker Skills fashion. So good job, Emery, for finding that deal. And and Tom has already looked it up, and he knows where it is. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been there twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, during the podcast. During the podcast, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing is safe from Tom and Google. So I had a small one, which there's no clever name. It was Bazaar and Yard Sale. There was, there was nothing really to say. Uh, I went to a church bazaar, and those things are really kind of hit or miss. You know, either you're going to get a bunch of great stuff or you're going to get almost nothing. I found the only tool there, which happened to be a Porter Cable... It was a metal router stand with a power switch and plug. So, like, you put your router underneath it, and it had a built-in wiring system and a power switch on the front. That's cool. That looked like it had never been used. Like, it was the, the aluminum top was a little oxidized, but it, it was like new condition. I got that for 3 bucks. What? Uh, and then nice. the other thing, which was kind of nice, there was a Coleman 12-volt iceless cooler. And... I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I mean, it didn't look new, but it was $2. And I'm like, eh, why not? You know, we'll give it a shot. If it doesn't work, then it's still a cooler, right? Yeah. So uh, I did, like, a couple days later, plug it into the truck and drive around. And I don't know how cold it gets, but it does get cold. So nice. it, it does work. And for 2 bucks, you know, you, you can't really pass that up. On the way back from the church bazaar, I passed a yard sale. And I got a Type 11 Number 5 Stanley Hand Plane, which, according to uh, Matt over at Victory Vintage Tools, is worth anywhere from $75 to $95 restored. I got it for 5 bucks. What? So That's great. I was, nice. I was happy about that. And then the other thing, which I think was a total steal, is I got a Works Jaw Saw for $15. That's those things that basically look like w -O -R uh, a baseball bat and it's got like a giant like shark's face at the end of it and you put it on a branch and then you push forward and then a, a chainsaw comes down from one end of the mouth to the other and it cuts the limbs off. Uh, they go for $108 brand new at uh, Home Depot. Not sponsored. So yeah, 15 bucks. <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend them. And I don't recommend them <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But that's it. That was my deal. Just that's four awesome. things. <laughs> Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. 
All right, it's time for personal history. Dre, why don't you tell us how you got started with epoxying? Well, uh, when uh, COVID hit, I was bored out of my mind. I was surfing the Instagrams and the YouTubes and uh, stumbled across a couple of epoxy people. And the more and more I kept watching, I was like, man, this looks like a lot of fun. So um, I did a lot of research. There was a point where I was just like going into like these deep dives into YouTube of learning how to do epoxy. Um, I ended up going to Michael's Craft Supply, found um, epoxy that they had that was just artist resin, and uh, I, I started to do very like small projects, and this was about a year ago when I started. So I, was, I started off small because I had no idea what the heck I was doing, and I figured if I start small and I mess up small batches of things, then it would be a lot... <laughs> You know, if it, epoxy is expensive. So if you think about it, you know, if you're messing up smaller projects, it's a little bit, you don't feel as bad about it price-wise. Um, and then I just kept every project that I would do or every couple of projects, I was like, all right, let me try to do something a little bit bigger. So now I'm doing, you know, a little bit of larger projects for the most part. We've been doing, um, I did a river table. And then I started incorporating uh, painting into it as well. So I learned how to paint when I was in middle school. Um, and I, it was from like a very classically trained artist who actually did oil painting. I took lessons for a while until she moved, but um, I felt like I learned a lot while I was there. Then I actually stumbled across Jess Crow's page and I started watching how she was incorporating her painting with epoxy. And the more and more I would look at her stuff, I'm like, man, she is painting in between layers and kept layering things. Mm. And then, you know, she would show videos of how it looked really like 3D and it looked real. And I loved that. So I definitely, I wanted to kind of dive into it. Um, and it's funny, it was like, I forgot how to paint. <laughs> like I forgot that I knew how to paint. <laughs> and then the more and more I would do it, I was like, oh man, like I forgot, I actually know how to paint. So <laughs> I didn't feel as terrible about it. <laughs> That's been something that I've been trying to do a little bit more of. I recently started to do a couple of little experiments with using UV epoxy, um, which is much faster. You can cure your epoxy very quickly just using a UV light. Um, so it makes it a lot faster when you're trying to do painting, you know, in between layers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I've only been doing it for a year. I've loved it so much. Um, there have been a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, Makers Camp is going to be next week, and I'm actually going to be doing some demonstrations with Lucas. Um, so we're going to be teaching people how to pour um, blanks to do epoxy turning. So um, it's kind of crazy and it's like very surreal to me how, you know, it last, you know, last year around this time, I really had no idea what the heck I was doing, <laughs> you know, and like now I'm like teaching classes and stuff and it's, it's wild to me, but it's also really fun. Um, I love sharing stuff with people. If there's something that I know how to do, I want to share it with people. Um, so that's definitely been, you know, a huge passion of mine is being able to teach people how to do it. You know, and I, I always tell people all the time, I'm like, if you have questions about epoxy, send them my way. Because even if I don't know the answer to it, it'll be a learning experience for both of us where either I'm going to do the research and find out myself, or I can ask somebody who might already know how to do it and, you know, find out from them. So um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool. I, I never would have guessed that from watching you, like since, since we've become friends. I thought you'd been doing it for way, way longer. Oh, 
you know. <laughs> I, I actually went back all the way in your Instagram and I was like, oh, this is only a year old or so. Were you were you a maker before epoxy or did epoxy get you into the maker? Yeah, world? yeah, epoxy got me into here. Um, before That's it was, awesome. yeah, it's crazy. Um, the other thing that really kind of got me into the maker community was being on Clubhouse. That's how PJ and I know each other. Um, because we are on there like all day, every day, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's been really cool because, you know, especially a couple months ago, you know, I would pop into one of the rooms on clubhouse, start talking to people and I would have questions about epoxy and, you know, I was always so, you get nervous when you're, you're messing with chemicals. Mm -hmm. You feel like a scientist a little bit, you know? So it's like a little nerve wracking (laughs) that like, you're like, is this going to blow up? I don't know. You know? So um, I would go into Clubhouse and we always just ask each other questions. And that's my favorite part about being on there is it's like a little mind hive. You know, if we have questions about anything, again, it's one of those things where either somebody in there knows the answer or they know somebody who does know the answer and you kind of connect with people that way. Um, and I love that. And I love being in this community too. It's been really wild, um, you know, how people have just been so accepting. And it's great that you know, the way that I look at our community in a sense, it's almost like so many people turn to making things almost as like a, a way for them to kind of like cope with certain things that are going on in their lives. And I love that, you know, I feel like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a commonality. I feel like so many of us share and I really love that. And I, I love that so many people express themselves through making things as well. You know, I think it's, it's a great outlet. I know for me, it was something that when I first started out doing it, I mean, I was, during COVID, I feel like everybody, we were all very stressed out. And it was something where it actually took my mind off of my phone, away from looking at a screen where I could just kind of focus on one thing and just really kind of like relax and, and put my, you know, creative muscle, flex it. And, you know, something cool comes out of it or something terrible, you know, sometimes you make stuff and you're like, well, this doesn't look great, but it's a learning experience. You know, you learn every, every single time I tell people all the time, every single time that I do epoxy, I learn something new. And I love that about it. You know, I love that it's it's something where your skill and your knowledge on it, it's just constantly evolving, which is awesome. So you heard it first, folks. Epoxy is the gateway drug to makerdom. Yes. Just uh, Yeah, it's crazy. So, so many of the people from that class that I, um, that I taught, there were 20 people in the class. And a lot of them are now like, they message me and they're like, I'm addicted now. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's worth it. You know, it's it's so much fun. It's so fun and it's so versatile. So. And then you have to tell them, listen, you're not supposed to be sniffing it. You're supposed to be pouring it. Right. Okay? Just you're, you're yes. not doing it right. Yes. You need to take the class again. Be in a well-ventilated area. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of well-ventilated... Tom? Yeah. Uh, what's your personal history <laughs> with epoxying? Is this way of saying I'm full of <laughs> I have I have no I have no experience with epoxying. I have a question or maybe an observation. I'm going through your Instagram feed and it's cool and I did it the other day, but I'm doing it again because I'm bored and uh, I understand. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> We're Thanks, Tom. You. Thanks. Yeah, so we're only thirty-eight Sorry, minutes in before you insult out. the guest. Yeah. It's a new Unfollow. record. No, no, it wasn't. Shoot, oh. that joke. That joke was supposed to be after PJ talked. Um, so it seems like epoxy. While it's it's probably one of the more expensive materials to use. 
I know wood is kind of expensive right now, but it's there's not a lot of tooling necessary. Is that right? I know you can get like a vacuum with a with a pressure pot and things like that, but there's like you don't need to buy a table saw to do epoxy. No, um, it depends on what you're doing with the epoxy. So that's kind of it depends on the project that you're doing. You know, for if you're making blanks, then yes, you definitely are going to need a table saw. If you're not making a, like just one blank, if you're making one blank, then yeah, you don't need a table saw. But if you're making a whole slew of them, then you're going to want to chop it all up yeah. so that you have them to whatever size that you need. Most people, when they're doing epoxy, it depends on, again, what it is. If you're doing river tables, some people will sand them down. Some people will just do a clear coat right over the top of it so that they don't have mm-hmm. to sand it. Um but sanding can be kind of a pain. I, I know like woodworkers definitely can understand that, that sanding can be a pain. It's tough, you know, when you want to get it to be as shiny as humanly possible too. That's something that for me... Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can polish it and there are plenty of different ways to polish it, but it's not. that's not something that I'm super experienced in by any means. I'm actually working on one project right now that I'm like, should I polish it or should I just put a flood coat over the top and call it a day, you know? So... Yeah. But yeah, there really aren't a whole lot of tools. I mean, I I use a torch and heat guns just to kind of pop bubbles and stuff like that Um, or create like if there's a wave effect that you're creating, then yes, you would use a heat gun for that. Okay, but you could go to like Ikea, buy a bunch of random things like bowls and cutting boards and coasters and then just epoxy the out of and make absolutely and make art yeah 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 people make ornaments and there's so many different things out there today i'm totally guilty of it i went to the dollar store and i found all the halloween candy and i'm just gonna put all that halloween candy into something epoxy (laughs) i don't know what mold (laughs) that it's gonna go into it could be coasters (laughs) it could be charcuterie boards i don't know i have no idea but i'm gonna use them somehow or they're just gonna sit in a box i don't know <laughs> you're just gonna torture the children you'll be like look look yes. you can't have it exactly yeah. exactly it's, there's just gonna be a bowl sitting outside with candy corn epoxied in the bottom and <laughs> all kinds of really really tasty looking if you can uh, get to it you know you miniature can, snicker yeah. bars all trapped in epoxy if you can get to it you awesome. can have it good luck little sally <laughs> dig harder <laughs> little bobbies in there trying to scoop the bowl out mommy something's wrong throwing it on the ground they can't break it it's great (laughs) then tom walks up he's like no you gotta bite it (laughs) yes let me show you it's crunchy all right well uh tanda do you have any personal experience with epoxying not really with epoxying more i've done a lot of resin pouring but it was polyurethane resins mostly and i kind of i don't know maybe 10 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, I really got interested in pouring resins and molding them to make products that looked like uh, injection molded products, but were cast out of resins. And so I experimented with a bunch of different resins. I did some epoxy, but mostly urethane resins. And then a local place that had been making artistic casts for many, many years, the owner passed away and the family sold off the business. Mm. And I went and bought a whole bunch of molds and vacuum pots and scales and, you know, kind of just outfitted my shop for for doing casting. And so I've been doing a little bit off and on since then. That's so cool. I've done a a bunch of unusual things. No huge pours. Maybe a a gallon or something would be, you know, the, the size of a big 
big pour. I've built up some different things out of resin, one piece at a time. By unusual, do you mean like um, napkin holders and uh, knobs for doors and jewelry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just that kind of. Actually, I've done. Uh, I did this. I did this ogre head, which was something I sculpted and then cast. But I did one of the un, more unusual things I did was giant football laces Whoa. for a stadium. Okay, that's weird. That's weird. And they wanted their. They had. They had big glass doors that went into where the team room was, where they met in the stadium. It was like a conference room for the sports team. And they wanted the doors, the handles of the doors, to look like the laces on a football. Cool. And so I cast them out of white resin, and then they bolted onto the door. So they looked like a lace of a football, but each lace was probably a foot long by two inches wide. And then the, the pieces going up. And so that was kind of an unusual request. And then just lots of little utilitarian things. But I laughed when you said about people like like taking resin that was curing and doing stuff with it. I made this bacon lamp. Um, so my friends, uh, that's what we called it, Please was the bacon lamp. So my pictures. friend's little boy came over. My, my friend's little boy came over and we always dreamed up something crazy to do whenever he was over just to, to do stuff in the shop because he would come spend the day with me. And so I'd try to entertain him. And so we poured red and white resin together, just kind of interwove it out on a table, right? And then just flat, but we planned it so that it would have like a lampshade on one end and then a long strip and then we would capture some switches and wires in it from the top to the bottom and a little bulb for an LED. And then we poured resin over it. And then before it cured, we like just twisted it into this weird shape. And But it looked like a piece of bacon. We didn't really plan it. But because we used like red and white resin because it was dyes that I had, it ended up looking like this big piece of meat lamp. Uh, meat lamp. That's a, that's a cover band right there. Yeah, meat lamp. I like that. Yeah. I was a drummer for Meat Lamp at one point, but uh, but yeah. So I've, I've played around with it, but I've done odd things, not not typical of what you know people are doing as far as as casting for turning or or doing big pours, resin table pours. So, but that's that's my experience with it. I'll dig up some pictures of my meat lamp and my my ogre head and stuff. Yes, and please. Put them out there. Yeah, I'd love to see them. That's really cool. <laughs> it, it, can you send me your album, Tanda? Because I'd I'd love to hear like what category of music meat lamp is. <laughs> yeah, meat lamp is uh, is anti anti veg. Yeah, you can't veg to it. There's just so it's like headbanger music. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'll, I'll I'll wait for your email. As for me, other than uh, my aforementioned delving into the polyester arena, which I'm now realizing a bunch of pens that I turned and several other things that I also mixed wood with polyester and they've popped apart. Now I know why they popped apart. <laughs> the very first thing I did, which was which, uh, I think it's epoxy. I believe it was made by Smoothon, and they still make this product. It's it's uh, I think it's just called tabletop epoxy, and I was pledging my fraternity, and we, me and my two pledge brothers, we got in 
or, or we were about to get in. I don't remember. But part of the whole thing is you had to make this uh, Hegemon board, which is basically like a paddle that has uh, you and your pledge brothers. And then the guy that guided you through is called the Hegemon. And up until that point, uh, all of the paddles look like the typical fraternity paddles where it was like a board with like a bone handle on one end and yeah. you had a bunch of names on it. It basically looked like a big, like an actual paddle. And I was like, nah, we're not doing that. Let's do something cool. So I got this oak board that was probably like, um, I don't know, two feet wide and like five feet long. <laughs> And I, I think I had like a, a rotary tool of some kind, and we carved out a volcano with a beach because our, our Hegemon, his name was Anton, he was always talking about like um, walking on the beach. He was a real chill, like hippie dude. He's like, yeah, man, it'll all be good. Don't worry. <laughs> so we, um, we made this, this volcano, and the, uh, the, I'm a teak, it's a talk Kappa Epsilon, so the, the TKE was erupting out the top of the volcano. And then down the bottom, we had um, our Hegemon was walking on the beach. We had little footprints, and there was a little dude down there. And then in the mountain, we'd carved our names and stuff. And I had airbrushed the entire thing colors. I'd colored the entire thing. And then we took this smooth-on tabletop epoxy and poured it over the entire thing as the way to seal it in because it was going at a fraternity house, and if you didn't seal it, it was... This is going to get destroyed. Mm. And the one thing that I remember, which I probably should have read the directions better, I mixed everything properly, but it took like a week to cure. Like it was tacky, like for days. And I'm like, this this should be done. Like, why isn't this done? And I don't know if it was the temperature because I, was I had say, it, it might in have been my, too cold. <laughs> it, it was in my basement, which yeah. was typically cool. And um, it was probably not the best idea, but like that was the place to do it. Like I didn't have any other place that I could pour something like this without like, you know, getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that was my first sort of foray into it. And then more recently with like, uh, you know, the big maker movement and everything. The reason that I went to polyester was because Michael sold it mm -hmm. and Michael sold it for, I think, 30 bucks. I think that's right for like half gallon. And at the time, Michaels was big on, uh, not sponsored, uh, they were big on coupons. So if you waited, you could get a 50% off or a 60% off coupon for one item. And I would hunt those things down like they were made of gold. And every time one would come up, I would go in and I would buy another half gallon of this stuff because then it was like, you know, $15. Right. And that was super affordable for, you know, the junk hunter budget. <laughs> and um, you, unlike epoxy, um, polyester resin used a, a hardener that was like a couple drops. Like for every, for every ounce you used like, I don't know, like five drops of this hardener, which... Ironically enough, the hardener, I, I want to say it was in like a two ounce bottle or something like that. That cost as much as the entire half gallon. Like it wow. was the same price. And I'm like, that's a ripoff. Right. You know, come on, really? But of course, I used a 50% off coupon and I got her $15. So I felt okay.
so that was I I used that on a lot of different things. I experimented a lot. I now see, like I said, I now see why a lot of things failed on me after the fact because polyester doesn't stick to stuff. And I, I'm wondering now if I could actually salvage some of those things if I poured real epoxy. In you you might be able to honestly just put it as an inclusion where it's like fully encased in it. I feel like you might be able to do it. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. I have faith but in um you. so the only other thing that I could say is there was a period about three years ago, I think, where there was a huge push for epoxy companies. Like they were all really trying to get people to buy their epoxy because they wanted to be your supplier. And so they were doing a lot of giveaways with makers. And this was the time period where I was like, oh, I need to win giveaways. I need to have all the epoxy. I need everything. Every Give me everything. So, yeah. so for like a year, all I did was enter like every single giveaway there was to the point where I had like a system down and I won like 12 giveaways, right? I won, and I have, I have like three or four different kinds of epoxy that I won and have never used. <laughs> it's, they're still never open, still on the shelf. PJ, you want to take a class? <laughs> right. I have things yes. that I want to make. I just, I, I have no space. Like my she, my yeah. machine shop, my, my shop is full of machines. Yep. So like to make the lava table, you know, I would need like a, like a four foot by five foot flat space where I could actually do it yeah. and that doesn't exist that's like a unicorn in my shop I don't I don't have flat spaces all the flat spaces have things on them right but like I said I do still have the uh, the slate and I need to get uh, the correct colors for lava I don't have uh, most of the stuff I have is blue pigments mm -hmm. because you know for obvious reasons mm -hmm. uh, but I I think that um, there is a a, a, a pigment sample kit from one of the makers that that has all the colors i think it's like all the basic rainbow colors and it's on amazon um i can't remember the name of the company but anyway um that's that's basically it i i haven't really done anything i don't have any plans for anything like what you do dre i love to see your stuff like i really loved when you did um the uh the swordfish with the crinkly um the iridescent background yeah I mean, that one was really cool thank you and i like the uh when you were painting like the little koi in the river yeah you know that stuff like every time i see that kind of stuff i'm like oh that's really cool yeah i should do something like that i don't know what to do <laughs> i don't <laughs> well, want to yeah, do koi one of so i i have a second fish that i just started um well i started painting it probably like a month ago i'm like notorious for starting projects and then you know getting so close to being finished with them and then I, I like I don't know start a new project because I get excited I have one that I was uh I think it's a small mouth bass that I was painting and it's funny because you know they're kind of like brownish colored and so the more and more I was painting it I was like you know I was saying to Lucas I was like man this looks kind of like boring and he's like well if you look at the dolphin that you did I mean not the dolphin the swordfish that you did he's like you know that was like full of different colors but then like you have those brown fish you know what I mean so I was like man 
But um, I've actually been contemplating if I should give that away at Maker's Camp. That might be my Maker's Swap thing. I'm not sure. I have a lot of ideas, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, painting, honestly, that's, that's the thing that I want to do a lot more of is really definitely incorporating the painting into doing epoxy. So if you guys have any ideas, feel free to send them my way. <laughs> and, and do you use mostly acrylic paints? Yeah, yeah. So the reason why I use acrylic, um, if you use oil paint, a lot of times epoxy will actually like just try to get away from it. So it might not actually completely seal over what it is that you've painted unless you do a thicker pour. So when you're doing something where you want it to have that 3D look, you want to do really, really thin layers of epoxy so that it actually gives you, you know, that continuity of the form of whatever it is that you're painting. So, yeah. I, I've got one for, oh, by the way, um, oil paints don't cure. Tanda, remember we, yeah, we talked about this thing. in Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. They well, oxidize. It takes forever yeah. <laughs> for them to cure. Yeah, it, and, it takes years. Yeah. It takes years. Yeah, and literally. acrylic, I have to say, acrylic dries a lot faster um, the cool part about when you're painting with acrylic on epoxy is say, for example, I make a absolute like terrible mistake or I like spill my paint all over it. You can literally just take like a piece of paper towel and water and wipe it right off because it like just right. comes right. You're off not going to hurt the epoxy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I love that you can do that. And it, it makes me feel a lot better because, you know, you think about, okay, if I'm painting into this epoxy, if I get a couple layers up, I mean... I can't get back down to that bottom layer, you know, so you have to be, you know, it's one of those things where it's a little bit nerve wracking because you have to feel so like, okay, this layer that I've painted, I feel confident with it and I am done with this layer and I need to move on to the next one. So it's a little bit nerve wracking, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's definitely rewarding right. in the end, you know. I feel like it's almost similar to a CNC where you've got to do everything in layers, like mm -hmm. it's got to plot out each thing it cuts in layers, and you're having to paint like that, like you're having to figure out like what goes in this layer. Yeah, I almost think of it as like 3D printing, you know, like you're literally going mm -hmm. from the bottom mm -hmm. up, you know, so, and it's funny because you really have to break down, okay, like what if, you know, if you're thinking of doing a fish, what layer do I want the fins to be at? Is it going to be the bottom layer? Is it going to be the second layer? So like you really have to break it down in your head and almost think in a 3D form and then, you know, break it down from there and then do it in each layer. Um, so it's right. it's tricky. And that was kind of the, <laughs> the interesting part about the first one that I did was um, I kept looking down the I, I painted on one layer and this was like part of the learning experience for me. This, the, the whole project that I did, I was just like, I'm learning from it. Like I can't get mad about it. This is just something I'm learning from. But I, I learned very quickly that you have to paint. Yeah. I mean, um, pour thin layers because, um, I ended up pouring way too thick of a layer and you can actually like if you look at it from the side you can like see like the gap in between the layers <laughs> and so it's like paint and then like you see clear epoxy and then you see paint 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 paint, paint. <laughs> so i definitely it's a gap fish yeah it's fine yeah. and like yeah. if you if you turn and you look at it from mm -hmm. like a certain angle like, you can see like you can see the layer it's it's funny but it was all part of a learning experience so it's okay <laughs> Yeah. Be, that would be a fun thing to do is to actually like leverage that, like do, do epo epoxy layers, but leave them a little bit thick. So they're in between. Yeah. And then on the edge where you could see it between, mm -hmm. 
do a different design, like do a cube yeah. with a different design between. So if you look down the cube one way, you see one design, but then when you turn the cube and look the other way, you have a completely different picture because the layers would be so thin, you wouldn't see them edge on. Right, right. That so you could, cool. you could do multiple pictures yeah. in one like pour of a cube. That would be cool. Right. And the other thing too is like you can always put in things like um, – if you laminated a photo or something like that, you can put that in there too. So that's a whole nother thing where like you could literally cut it up and put it into different like pieces of it. it could, you could definitely, there are so many things that you can do. That's, I, I love it. <laughs> well, if you, if you want to do something um, for, for me, just, just, you know, possibly, um, uh, I, I love blue jays. And uh, oh. if you wanted to do like a layered blue jay or like like with the wings spread out if you've ever seen a blue jay with its wings open the feathers have like a really beautiful pattern yeah of white black and blue um i would love something like that you know just just saying i don't know if you <laughs> see the look on my face my mic ears are turning right now turning. in my brain i'm like oh i gotta go look up a blue jay after this <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine are too, but they're they're like completely different gears. Mine, mine are like I wonder if I could find a three D model of anything I would want to do that with, and then use a three D slicer to slice it into all the pieces, so I don't have to think about it. And then I just have a cheat sheet <laughs> of what each layer looks like. Yeah, or like you remove yeah. segments, and then like that would be your gap between the po- you know what I mean. Like so, you'd have those gaps. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many cool things. Yes. <laughs> Tom's already done it. He's like printing it out right now while we're listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, there you go, Tom. You could do you could build a little dam around your 3D printer, right? And you could 3D print <laughs> 3D print a layer and then pour resin over it. And then 3D print on top Ooh. of that and then pour resin over it and then 3D print on top of that. But you'd have to come up with a design that, you know, was more interesting than if you just took a finished print and poured resin over the whole thing. So you'd have to ha- true. you'd have to have something where you did a layer and then the the a, cured epoxy actually supported the next layer so the next layer was like something that would be impossible to print without having the resin support it from underneath oh you, right. you know that, that just uh, gave me an idea I, I, i'm probably well i guess you could do this with a 3d printer because that's a cnc but i think a cnc would probably be better you know you could use cncs to draw things well mm-hmm. if if you put a paintbrush on there and you just you know dipped it in paint and let it go it, it could paint the layer on for you yeah that's right? a that's a called a plotter they they have those oh well, <laughs> I, I but you I could being creative excuse me i don't know i don't plot, that plot like stuff a, it's a cool idea PJ. oh yeah this Very yeah cool this idea. definitely has me has me thinking you could you could do that with a with a tool though as well mm-hmm. you could engrave the epoxy and then just like squeegee colorant over yes. it and it would fill all of those little really fine engraved lines. And then you could pour a thin layer and then engrave it and squeegee color over it. And it would fill. So you could do like super fine lines. Oh, man. I need to buy a CNC now. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the maker community. <laughs> the only way to avoid wanting new tools is to not talk to anybody or look at anything online. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Lucas, if you're listening, we need a CNC. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interviews and stuff. 
Hello, this is Chet down at Johnson's Hardware. Are your epoxy pores full of more bubbles than a fish tank? Have you run out of blowtorch gas too many times while trying to get rid of those little bubbles? Well, guess what? Johnson's has just the thing for you. Introducing Hilda the Witch's Bubble Be Gone Epoxy Cauldron. Developed over centuries with a local coven, the toil and trouble of removing the bubbles has been, well, removed. Uh, don't ask how, a witch never tells. Uh, simply put your epoxy project inside and the bubbles disappear. Johnson's is not responsible for popped eardrums, eye of newt infection, and demonic possession. Hilda the Witch's Bubble Be Gone Epoxy Cauldron can be found in the gardening section for only $279.93. Say hi to Hilda. She's also our plant expert. If you'd like to pick up your cauldron, please visit us on patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Dre, what skill goes well with epoxying? Painting. Painting. Painting is a skill, correct. Tom? Yeah? What skill goes well with epoxying? Uh, painting. <laughs> Dre already said painting, Tom. You can't Weird. take her answer. Is there an echo in here? <laughs> but am I wrong? No. Uh, no, you're not wrong, but you, you can't take someone else's answer. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Fine, fine, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a guess. Knitting? I don't know. I haven't done knitting or epoxying, but I bet there's some crossover. Okay, I'll take knitting as a skill. Exactly. How do you use knitting with epoxying? I, I need an example here. Oh, you, you can encapsulate a doily. You could, or a scarf. You could definitely put a mitten. Tanda, Tanda, stop helping Tom and let him answer for himself. This is his hole he's digging. <laughs> This is like when, when, uh, oh my gosh, the SNL skit of Jeopardy, when like he actually answers the question right, but then he wagers like the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. <clears throat> Flashbacks. No, I have no idea. I've never done epoxying. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to know. I mean, yeah, woodworkers do it. Turners use it. But those seemed a little too superficial. Obviously, those skills go well with it. But I don't, I don't know what else. I feel like I feel like epoxy is kind of like baking, where you need to follow the recipe exactly, otherwise it all gets screwed up, right? Yeah, I'll never do epoxying. You're shaking your head, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like yeah, like you have yeah. to follow the instructions. Nope. You have to. I'm going to be the, uh, see, I'm the one that's just like, uh, I guess you mix these two and then I do it in like an old shoe and then I pour it out and it doesn't work right. And I don't know why, because I didn't read the instructions. Tom, rambling is not the skill that goes well with epoxy. Are you going to pick a skill or? No, no, but I'm good at it. That's true. You, you can do that while the epoxy is curing. I mean, you... I suppose turning. A lot, of pe- a lot of turners are using epoxy. Turning is a skill. Yeah, yes. yes. Turning with epoxy is actually a skill that goes well. I, I will take that. Hmm. Uh, Tanda, what skill goes well with epoxy? I'm going to say, I'm gonna have to say painting. <laughs> it's, okay, did you not listen when I was talking to Tom? You can't take Dre's answer. Good answer. Good, an- oh, good answer. Good I, answer. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I was kind of hoping that Tom went long enough that you'd forgotten. <laughs> My memory's not that bad. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I tried. 
I'm going to have to say measuring. Measuring is a skill that goes well with uh, epoxy, whether it's oh. measuring liquids or measuring volumes of things to calculate your pores or weighing things if it's by weight. So I'm going to say measuring goes well with, with epoxy. Sure. Okay. We'll take that. We'll take that. PJ? Well, as for me, I'm going to say art direction. Mm. You know, especially when it's uh, like if you look at a lot of Dre stuff, uh, she's very, very uh, gifted with the colors and mixing them together and patterns and making them go in certain directions. And that is art direction. You know, if you're going to do the kind of creative sort of crafty things that she does, uh, if you don't know about art direction, you're going to end up with something that looks like sparkly vomit and that's no good you need something that looks you know pretty and, and nice there's a market for that though yeah some people like sparkly vomit what no N- not yeah. not, my people. not my people not my people i i have no art direction i i was recently listening to a podcast that went kind of a deep dive into to being an artist yeah i'm not <laughs> I, 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 it, it answered that for me. I, I, I am not an artist. I don't know. I, I kind of put things together, and every once in a while, I think they look interesting. But I have, I have no direction you made, or you made no a, uh, a bacon lamp. <laughs> uh, Tanda, I'll, I'll never say you're not an artist, but I will say you're more of a magician. A magician? You make things work that shouldn't work. Sidebar, Tom Dre. Yeah, I feel like Tanda <laughs> is trying to convince us. That she's not an artist, like it wasn't obvious for like the entire time we've known her that she's not an artist. I mean, she's never done anything artistic. <laughs> All she does is like you know, fix things and she builds stuff. And there's there's never once has Tana be like, oh yeah, I decided to paint an oil painting on canvas this weekend. She's never said that. She's totally trying to justify this. Like we're gonna dig into it for him. Be like, no, no, Tanda. You're an artist. No, she's never been an artist. I, I don't know, why did she bring this up? Tanda, I think you're an artist. <laughs> Tanda can't hear you. We're, we're in a you. sidebar. Oh, she can't hear us. Sorry, sorry. Shh, shh, I said nothing. Okay. So, never mind. I guess I just it's just me that's thinking it. Oh, look, Tanda's waking up. Tanda's waking up. Tanda, um, that's, that's too bad. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, I was a little I was a little disappointed. I thought there was I thought there was hope, but then you know, when I found out what it what it really takes to to have any kind of artistic uh, talent, I uh, I realized that uh, I'll just I'll just be happy being me, whatever it is. Yes. That that's the way to go, for sure. And now it's time for give me your best guest. Yeah. All right. As Dre is our guest, we want to know, Dre, we have your, your number one skill, which mm-hmm. is epoxying. Mm-hmm. What are your top five skills? What's number two on the Dre skill factor? Okay, so <clears throat> prior to the epoxy world, I used to work as an occupational therapy assistant. So I feel like, okay. yeah, so um, currently, I actually, last week, I took my boards to be an occupational therapist. So I am awaiting results currently. So I'd like to think that number two, my skill would be being an occupational therapist. So very nice. let me ask you, is that where you talk to someone that's got a job and you say, listen, your job needs help. It, it needs to be it needs to be talked to. 
if if your job would like to come in, I would be more than happy to talk to the job for you. S- sidebar, yes, Dre. Yes. Sidebar. Thank you, Tom. Dre. <laughs> say, can you just can you say yes to this to his no, question? No, I can't. Can you just say it, yes? it like fundamentally I, crushes my soul. Just... <laughs> and like, I don't know if you can see how red my face is right now, but it like it hurts yeah. every time that somebody says that to me. Like it like squeezes my heart a little bit, you know. <sighs> All right, let's get back to him. Let's okay. answer his question. Here he is. Here he is. <clears throat> PJ? Yes. No. <laughs> that is not what an occupational therapist is. No. Um, oh, we... I, I thought I was 100% right on that. Yeah. <laughs> nay, sir. Uh, being an occupational therapist helps people to become more independent in their lives. Um, so, for example, if a person has a stroke or a heart attack or hip replacement or some sort of debilitating disease that landed them in the hospital and they can no longer take care of themselves, then an occupational therapist would come in. So for example, when I used to work with stroke patients, I would teach them literally how to like get dressed again because a lot of times that skill would get lost um, because of their stroke. So you kind of teach them either how to get dressed the way that they used to get dressed, if that's a skill that they've lost, or um, we can teach them how to do adaptive dressing. So using something like a sock aid or a button hook, or um, long-handled reachers you can actually use to like put on your pants and stuff like that. I mostly worked in the rehab setting, so that was kind of my forte. Um, but more recently, I started um, being more interested in the mental health side of things because I, I think that's extremely important. It doesn't necessarily pay extremely well, but at the same time, I think it's so important. So, yeah. I, I kind of feel like there's an opportunity there with the teaching them how to redress if they don't remember like you could be like oh you don't remember you used to get dressed to rock and roll music so you have to dance from side to side and roll your hips every time you put your pants on otherwise they're not going to make it all the way up to your hips Mm -hmm. and not only that you got to change the music to rap whenever you're buttoning up your shirt (laughs) because you button to that rhythm and 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 they would never know i mean have you ever tried that it feels like it would be natural to me uh so yeah Cle- clearly not one of pj's no. skills <laughs> <laughs> i can't say i've ever said yes we have to turn on music to get dressed but a lot of people believe it or not really watch they watch tv when they get dressed but i always have to turn it off because they get distracted so you know that's the thing but no i've never maybe i should try that out <laughs> I'm I'm thinking now I have, you know, I'm one of these people that just has like the same clothes. I'm like really boring. I just like I buy a whole bunch of the same shirt or, you know, just maybe color variations, mm-hmm. but all the same at the same time. And I do this. And so I just kind of have clothes. I, I'm not really into clothes, but this has me thinking I could just stop wearing clothes altogether. Mm-hmm. And when people ask, I could just say I lost that skill in a stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe maybe that would be viable just Brilliant. to say, you Brilliant. know, I used to know how to get dressed, but I had a stroke and now I just <laughs> I just go everywhere naked. I just don't get dressed anymore. Yeah. And then I wouldn't have to buy clothes again. That would be great. It would be yeah. a valid excuse. All yeah. of a sudden nudist colonies are starting to make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, that's it's starting to it's starting to chime in. Um but yeah. So Trey, uh what is skill number three? 
don't know if this is a skill or a personality trait, but I just love people. I love talking to people. I love socializing. I like learning about people. Everything that has to do with people. Most people I love, I have to say. Most people. There are a very few that I, I don't. That's a skill. You know, so. That's the opposite of the murder skill. Correct. So that's, yes, that's a skill. I love people. I'm not murdering them. Well, it's definitely something you can get uh, you can get better at and get more comfortable with. Yeah. So I think that's that's definitely a skill. Yep. Well, there is an entire category called people skills. Yeah. I mean, is, is everybody not aware of this? Isn't that just one skill though? <laughs> they make it sound like a list. People skill. No, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good though. People well, skill. pretty much all the skills on our show are people skills, though. <laughs> I mean, well, people are doing them. I Roxy, Roxy's never done a resin pour. I saw her, okay? I saw her do one. <laughs> Human skills. Okay, she has. But I was trying to make my point. She, she also runs the CNC sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why she's the shop dog. You're not... Tanda, you already talked about this like eight episodes back. Right. Okay. But those are dog skills. Those aren't people skills. When she's doing it, they're dog skills. Well, that's that's a true. good question. Dre, do you have any dog skills? Um, I've never had a dog... <laughs> so I feel like no I fall short in this category so then no definitely not definitely sorry Tanda I tried yeah. if you if you can bark or is that a people skill or a dog skill or is that a people doing a dog skill it's a people skill if you can speak dog I, I may I may have to bug out for a while and go research this <laughs> this has me really wondering alright well Tanda goes to research mm-hmm. Dre you want to hit us with number four Sure. Number four, um, I feel like I am somebody who I always want to learn more. I am like somebody who I literally like cannot wait for Makers Camp because there are so many things that are going to be there and I want to learn like every single one and I feel like three days isn't enough time. I'm with you on that. I When do you think that started happening? Have you always no. been like that or do you think, right, Yeah. okay. No. So when, when did you start to realize, like, oh, I can just learn whatever I want? Uh, probably, I feel like around 27, 28 was when it happened. In yeah. school, yeah, yeah, when I was, like, in elementary school, middle school, high school, college. Like, literally, like, I did undergrad prior to being in my OT program. And even then, I was, like, just... I struggled learning, sitting and like focusing for long periods of time. I mean, like I was the kid that was constantly looking out the window. My teacher would like flick me on the back of the head to try to keep me like focused. And it was, it was bad. I I honestly, I struggled really, really bad to like focus when I was in school. But then Mm -hmm. I feel like once I actually got into the OT realm of things, it was like suddenly I realized that there are so many different avenues of how to learn things. And I felt like school was so like, you know, you have to read from a book, you have to have this lecture. I loved when they would have videos or, um, you know, if we were listening to something, that to me was more interesting versus just like, the same teacher talking over and over again and like in the same monotone voice and it, it was not school mm-hmm. was not like great for me but once um you know I ended up starting my OT program my classes were somewhat long but it was because I was so interested in them and because there were so many things that we were learning I loved that I really really did um, and then I think the more and more that I started you know exploring the art avenue too 
when I was taking art classes, those were, you know, the times where I was like, those were the classes I looked forward to, you know, especially in my undergrad program. Mm -hmm. I loved taking my art classes, you know, so um, when it came to having hands on or something like that, that was definitely being like a kinesthetic learner. That was it for me, you know, was it was just having my hands on things. It helps, you know, and I think that's why with occupational therapy, being in a rehab setting, you're very hands on with people, you know, and you're, you're teaching them how to move their body in certain ways to try to regain what they've lost. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you ask that because it it definitely wasn't when I was younger. I hated like forget a history class. I would like just zone out completely. Same. And, and it, it stinks because now I feel like as an adult, I'm like, man, I wish I could kind of like take those classes again and like learn it now, <laughs> which sounds strange, but I right. feel like I would probably retain it more now because I'm, I might actually be interested. It might not be like everything, you know, but specific situations, I think, you know, specific points in history that I would want to learn more now, you know, so it's, it's interesting, you know? Yeah. I think that's a pretty common theme in the maker community. I'm sure other communities, but you know, you kind of become an adult and realize you can start making decisions mm-hmm. for yourself. And part of that is learning whatever you want to learn. And the motivation is super high at yeah. that point. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone recently say it was a waste to teach kids history <laughs> that you should teach adults history mm-hmm. because you develop an appreciation mm-hmm. for history and, and will read books on it and learn it as an adult. But as a, as a student, you know, in elementary school and middle school, you know, you're kind of learning it because you have to, unless you're just a history geek. But a lot of us are just learning it because it's in front of us and we have to learn it. And some some things are interesting. Certain teachers can make it interesting, but you just don't, you don't have enough of your own history to really appreciate, you know, history until you're an adult. I had a hard time like wrapping my brain. I'm not a numbers person by any means. Like, that's kind of why I went into occupational therapy because I feel like you're not having to do a whole lot of math and all of that stuff. But like even back then when I would think about dates of, you know, certain years when things would happen, it was so hard for me to like think in a timeline of like, okay, this is when it ha- It was just so hard for me to like wrap my brain around something happening so long ago. And I don't know why I just never could. And of course, on every test, they'd be like, when did this happen? And I would just have to guess every single time. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, now, mm-hmm. now I feel like I would be able to retain it, you know, so that's the difference, I guess. Fun fact, my high school had a very weird history program where we learned about the entire world before we learned about the United States. So I know the histories of all the other countries, but they never taught me where the states were. So I didn't know the names or the placements of any of the states. Didn't know any of the presidents. We never got to the presidents. Wow. Never covered World War One. Like all these things that you should know from going to high school— Never happened. Wow. That just doesn't exist for me because something might—I don't know. I don't even know. Like, you would think that a school program would have that laid out. Like, okay, in June, we're going to be talking about World War One. No. It was like I could name every country in Africa and the capitals, but I didn't know, like, you know, the state capital. I didn't know anything. It was just like, wow. this is a terrible thing. And I went to a good school, too. That's fascinating. So. They were trying to make you more worldly, PJ. Hmm. That's why. And it worked, didn't it? <laughs> Five? All right, let's go to number five. Right. What's your What's your fifth skill, Dre? Um, I feel like I am a flexible individual. Um, so I, I'm somebody who like I really try to go with the flow, not flexible like that way, 
but <laughs> I go with the flow. <laughs> oh, we know, Dre. We know. <laughs> I'm secretly a contortionist. No. <laughs> no. Your I... circus routine is documented. <laughs> no, I feel like um, you know that's something where, uh, especially when it, when it came to working, I, I was working in a skilled nursing facility, so it was a rehab department at a skilled nursing facility. And there were so many times where you'd go and walk in in a patient and they would just be with nursing or, you know, just in that kind of scenario, you constantly have to adapt your day, you know, like depending on what the heck was going on, you had to make sure that you were somebody who, you know, if something popped up and, you know, you said you were going to go see a patient at 11 and now you couldn't do it, then, you know, you have to be flexible. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious. Um, was the skilled nursing building right next to the unskilled nursing <laughs> building? Was was there like an option to go to one or the other? <laughs> no, that would be assisted living. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm an insist, in, in assisted living, but I don't think of it that way. I think of myself as an unskilled nurse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just can't take care of myself because I don't have the skills. Yeah. That, so that I need some assistance. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Definitely. Was that our best guess? I don't know. But it was a guest. All right, it's time for short and sweet. Dre, do you have anything you want to say to close out the show? I really appreciate you guys having me on, um, especially you know, only being a part of this community for such a short amount of time. But, um, you know, I really appreciate it because it's nice that you guys highlight other makers who are in the community and it's really cool. I really appreciate that. I guess for the people in the maker community, I um, want to encourage them to continue to make stuff um, and make sure that they're reaching out to their friends and their family. I know that there are so many people in this community that, like I was saying earlier, I feel like a lot of people turn to making as a way of coping and kind of, you know, they use it as an outlet. And um, I just don't want people to forget that there are also people that are out there who love and appreciate them. And I think it's so important to make sure that people don't get too engrossed in making things um, where they, you know, stop talking to people, I guess. So um, it's just so important that people are reaching out and communicating with each other. And I think that's why I really love and appreciate this community so much. I mean, there are people who, you know, you drop off for a week and people will message you, hey, are you right. okay? <laughs> you know, and and I, I really like that about this community. You know, we really feel like it's so important to make sure that our friends and our family are doing well. And so that's something, you know, I, I just hope that Everybody, you know, doesn't forget to make sure that they're reaching out and talking to their friends and their family and all of that stuff. So, well, that's that's why we started this podcast because Tanda, Tom, and I weren't talking to anybody, and we're like, look, we got to do this at least once a week, so we have some kind of dialogue <laughs> happening with some one other person, you know. And, and and Tom was like, I don't know if it's gonna work, man. And Tanda's like, okay, yeah, I could do it. Okay, sure, sure, yeah. Tom, Tom will come along. I'm like, yeah, okay. Tom, Tom will catch up. And Tom's like. Yeah, I'm not doing any work, but I'll show up. <laughs> I and 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 from the time I first met PJ at the first WorkbenchCon, <laughs> but it turned out it wasn't PJ. <laughs> and so he called me and and talked to me for like an hour, and I just I knew who he was, and you know, and I'd been following him on Instagram, and 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 I just was sure we had met, and it turns out I had met 
I'd met somebody else <laughs> that just looked like PJ. But uh, I thought I knew. PJ got a free first impression from someone else. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I knew PJ when he called. I mean, I did because I'd been following him on Instagram. But I thought I thought he he and someone else were the same person. That's funny. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tanda, other other than um, other than, <laughs> do you have anything for short and sweet? Um, I would just like to shout out Total Boat because we have you on and you're an ambassador. But in general, all of these companies that are such strong supporters of the maker community and have ambassador programs and do giveaways and and I just think it's really cool that they, you know, they're not just taking advantage of a community. They're, they really become integral and a part of the community and they show up at these events and they hire people that are in the community. And I just think that's really cool. So shout out to total boat and all of the other uh, companies that are kind of on board with the maker community. Yeah. I, I, on board, on board, on the boat or between or between boards or, or on your feet. Yeah. I honestly, um, without total boat, I don't know if I would be doing nearly as much epoxy as I am. Um, their support is incredible from, commenting on any posts that I post about epoxy, actually messaging me. There was one of them went away for a week and they messaged me unprompted messaged me and they were like, Hey Dre, just so you know, I'm going on vacation for a week. Do you need anything? Are you okay? Like the fact that they checked in and like, let me know it was incredible. And I can't wait again. I keep saying it, but for makers camp, because we're going to be um, working with them on, you know, that whole weekend. Lucas and I are actually going to be in Hartford for Make 48, which is a, a maker event um, as well. So they're going to be supplying us with epoxy for that event. So um, I really, I wouldn't even remotely be where I am. Their owner is amazing. He's given me plenty of tools that, I mean, I had nothing when I first started. I didn't have a sander. I literally like had nothing. And he hooked me up with so much stuff that they would use to, you know, refinish boats and stuff like that. And he was like, listen, this is kind of on its way out, but it's better than nothing. Either I give it to you or it ends up in the garbage. And I was like, I'll gladly take it, you know? So Mm. they're incredible. They're such an amazing company. Um, They love working with people. Their customer service is top notch. I have to say, you know, if you have any questions, they get back to you within 24, 48 hours. If it's, you know, during the week on the weekends, I'm like, all right, I guess you guys can take the days off, you know, but (laughs) slackers. Do do they check with you first? I mean, do do, do they okay it with you? (laughs) Bunch of slackers. Who takes the weekend off? (laughs) But they're an awesome company. So I'm glad you brought them up, Tana. They're fantastic. Yeah. Tom, you got anything for short and sweet? Uh, no, I, I, um, I paid some money and, and actually launched my infinite craftsman website. Finally, uh, there's not much on it, but I don't care. I committed. I'm I'm working towards my hundred designs nice. in two years. That's awesome, man. So, That's really cool. awesome. For first review, I went out to Infinite Craftsman. He had two things. <laughs> Name is a misnomer. <laughs> but if you're leaving a re- review, it means you bought at least one of them, and I'm excited about that. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So uh, as for me, uh, I. I did something today that I don't normally do, which is I did something for myself. Normally, I'm always, you know, working on things to sell to people that, you know, want to give me money. But 
I have a my very first Delta drill press, my floor model DP220 that I paid for with Polish pizza. I've had it. I can't remember now if I've had it for two years or three years. It's it's my mind is just gone at that point. But I remember that you know I, that's what I paid for it with anyway. It hasn't changed since I got it. Like I didn't clean it up. I didn't do anything to it. And I've always meant to. I've always meant to make it look better than than new. You know, that's my motto: make it better than new. And I'm like, you know what? The weather's starting to change. It's going to be winter soon. I'm taking the drill press apart. So today, I devoted the entire day to totally disassembling, getting everything cleaned up, getting all the greasy parts into the ultrasonic cleaner to get them cleaned up. I got some paint on the bell housing. Uh, I stripped off all the paint from and the rust and everything from the column and the base. And I mean, I would say I'm like more than more than a third of the way through the process. Like I, I did I did a lot of work today. And if I could get the whole thing done by like Friday, Saturday, I'd be like super pleased, you know? So that's that was a big thing for me because I keep putting off things for myself in, in lieu of things that, you know, will actually make money because I got bills to pay. But, you know, that was the thing. So I did that today. I also wanted to thank our Patreon supporters. Our top Patreon supporters are our very own Tanda Madison and Creator Nader. We don't have a new Patreon member for this week, but we could, if you listening would like to go to patreon.com forward slash makerskills and cough up a little cash, you know, just a little bit, a tiny bit. Okay, well, if you want to be on the list, you got to cough up more than that. You know, there's there's a dollar level, but if you want to get your name read, more than a dollar, you know, at, at least like buck fifty dollar twenty five yeah something like that <laughs> tom's tom's a little more expensive than i am <laughs> but anyway i would like to thank all our patreon members thank you all thank you for listening to this episode of maker skills if you should need more skill information you can find us on instagram at maker.skills you can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com you can find me at PJ Galati, Son of the Junk Hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Rant requests. It's been a hot minute since we had some rant requests. And I got to say, we got some. That, that's all I could say. We, we got some. I, I don't, I can't validate the quality, but um, but we have them. That's, that's all. Uh, Tanda, do you want to hit us with the first one? Uh, first one comes from, who knows, is design a skill? Or a gift. Tom? It's a gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I, I mean, there was no option for excuse. That's that's what Tom uses it as. I mean. Yeah. But I'm going to go with skill. Well, of course. You've used it as a skill like five times on the show, at least. At least. Yeah. Versus Tom's like 47 times. Yeah. So, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's a gift. It's definitely a gift. I feel like it's a skill. I, I feel... 
It could be both. It could be both. I mean, your skill is you're really developing skills, right? Gifts are things that are given, but I mean, not everybody has the design mindset and not everybody is interested in expanding those skills and continuing to grow the skills, right? So it could be both. Mm -hmm. I'm only saying it's not just because somebody has to. (laughs) Balance. (laughs) I could say it was both or I could say it was definitely a skill, but no, it's it's neither. (laughs) I mean, if it was a gift, then someone would get it for Christmas. I mean, it's, it's not a gift. You can't give someone design. Oh, look, it's design. What if he's talking about, like, a gift from God, like a natural-born mm-hmm. gift? Or somebody could give like you a design book, and then it really is a gift. It would give you the it's boom design. design. Boom. <laughs> if, if you gave somebody a book on design or, like, a, a blueprint, I mean, yeah, then you could give it as a, then design it's as a gift. definitely a gift. Yeah, then I agree with definitely. you there, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so, in other words, we're not going to answer this question. <laughs> Uh, Tom, well, thank you, Will. <laughs> do you do you want to hit us with the second one? Uh, yes. Jack has tools. Raises the question: pineapple on pizza. That's a statement. That's not a question. It was a statement. It has a period at the end. In an internet comment, he actually put punctuation at the end. <laughs> okay. He didn't put a question mark. He put a period. I think that's a tiny little pepperoni. <laughs> this at this, the end. I'm going to say that this proves that our our listeners um, don't understand what a question is, and we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, Listen, I agree with I agree with him. Oh, we're not even gonna we're not even gonna answer it. I've gotten really tired of pineapple. Uh, answer what? He made a statement. What am I, I supposed say yes, to say? I yeah, it's a statement. statement. Yes. <laughs> yes, you you can physically put pineapple on pizza. How about that? Uh, yeah, my daughters love pineapple on pizza, and so I've become quite tired of pineapple on pizza because it was the only thing given the choice which i always gave them the choice that's what they wanted and so that's what we always got and now that they're grown and have kids of their own and are out of the house i i don't eat pineapple just as a matter of you know just i don't ever (laughs) want to eat pineapple on a pizza again but if it's pizza sitting out and there's pineapple on it i will i will eat it i just won't order it I do have to bring up one more point. Everybody thinks it's so controversial and they say pineapple on pizza, pineapple on pizza. The truth is, it's pineapple and ham, people. Let's talk about the ham a little bit. And or that's bacon. delicious. Mm. Well, well, that's not true. You mm. can you can get the pineapple with barbecued chicken, but you know what? I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. See, I didn't I didn't realize this cuz in my house we've been doing it the other way around. We've always had the pizza on the pineapple, and I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, that sounds good. You just kind of wrap a pineapple with pizza and then put yeah. it back in the oven and bake it? Yeah. Ooh, mm. actually it does sound Extra sweet and I juicy. I thought you were going in a weird direction, but I'm no. I'm hungry yeah. now, guys. Thank you. I'm hung- so hungry. <laughs> well, something else that'll make you hungry is this comment from Waffle Beaver. Yeah, Bryce. My my adopted son, Bryce. Uh, why aren't modern bandsaws an order of magnitude better than the classic Delta 14-inch? Example, no improved safety features. Most still have variable, don't have variable speed. Uh, tracking of the blade on the wheel is still very old tech. Uh, they could have a computer auto-center it now with tension. Uh, who wants to take this? 
there are two major advancements, but that but he's right. There's basically no improvements. But they did add the giant lever to de-spring your top wheel. Quick release. Mm-hmm. The tension release. Quick release, yes. And some have added a brake, a foot brake, to stop the blade so that you can move to the next job quicker. You know, stop, you know, click that brake before you walk away. Mm-hmm. Get halfway through your finger. But that's it. But he's right. But he's right. A lot of the new saws are actually worse than the Deltas. They don't have... You need tools to make all the adjustments, whereas the Deltas had thumb screws and and knobs to make all those adjustments. And the new saws, it's just like cost savings or something. Subpar. Uh, I'm going to go back to my, my rant about Grizzly tools. Hmm. The Grizzly 14-inch bandsaw uh, is terrible. And uh, all their new band saws, when you adjust the blade tension, uh, they're no longer cast iron. They're steel framed, and the steel frames twist because of the tension of the blade. And now they have tracking problems. Way to go, Grizzly! Yeah, (laughs) Grizzly Grizzly tools are they like dog skills? Yes, exactly. Okay, so they're different than people tools. Yes, yes, they're they are made for dogs. That is exactly right. Grizzly tools are made for dogs? Yeah. Yeah. Bears and dogs get along great. Bear dogs. Okay. You know. That makes sense. It's when Roxy the shop dog needs to make something, she makes it with a grizzly tool. Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, just saying. Alrighty. So our last one is from Sigma Woodcraft. PosiDrive, Phillips, and Japanese Industrial Standard, JIS, cross-drive head styles. No question mark. Oh my God! What is this with the statements this I don't time? Have know. we? What okay, does listen. this mean? Is this code? <laughs> I, I, I first off, I, I don't, yes. I don't know what it means. No, no, I know. No, no, I've, I've zoomed in again. That's, oh my God. That's actually a tiny little cross point. That's not a period. <laughs> oh man. So listen. I can't. Um, t- it looks like it may be Phillips, but I'm seeing some little teeny marks on it. It's, it's. Uh, it's a posi drive. It's not a period. It's a posi drive symbol. What is posi drive? Is that from my cousin Vinny, when the uh, the back axle locks up? Yes. <laughs> That's posi traction. But yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, oh. Yeah, po- posi traction has got that reference. Posi traction won't cam out on you like a mm. like a Phil- oh. like a Phillips drive rear end <laughs> on the older vehicles. Inter- <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of JIS. Have I used it and not known it? Probably. Oh, is it the one that has like the little like points in between the Phillips points? It's the one that's used with Jello. Oh no, that's Posi. Posi Drive has little kind of like little points in between. They're they're kind of flat on the sides, and then the heads mm. of the screws have little like they look like little nicks between the on the top of the screw. But there's like a little separate kind of like a little square piece as you go down mm-hmm. the side. <laughs> All these hand motions are great for the podcast, Tanda. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, these are different types of screws, um, but I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, in the future, any listeners out there, please send us questions with a little more context, like which screw head do we prefer? Punctuation Nazi. Yeah, yeah. punctuation's a thing. Yeah, it exists for a reason. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm going to be the guy, you know, because I'm also a writer. And if you don't have punctuation, things go horribly wrong. Uh, kind of like this segment. But thank yeah. you, Sigma Woodcraft. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I got some punctuation for you, PJ. <laughs> hit me, Tom. Hit me. 
Humans good. Things wrong. Said backwards. People get it. Still understand. <laughs> Tanda's malfunctioning again, Tom. Can you uh, can you hit the reset button from your end? Yeah, I got it. 